This is the Scott Seidenberg Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go! A little Sunday night special here on 98.7 ESPN. Scott Seidenberg here with you, and I am just pumped up because the Yankees won their sixth straight series and it was against arguably the best team in the American League in the Chicago White Sox. But was it all that great? That's what we're going to digest here on 98.7 ESPN. Scott Seidenberg here, 800-919-3776. The Yanks five and a half back of the Rays now. Two and a half back of the Red Sox for the second wild card in the American League. And yes, they just won their sixth straight series, taking two of three from the White Sox. The only loss was the Field of Dreams game, which was absolutely awesome, by the way. Not the outcome of the game, but the whole broadcast and style of the game. I really did thoroughly enjoy. What I haven't been thoroughly enjoying is watching the Yankees pitch in the ninth inning of these games. In this series against the White Sox, they allowed two runs today. They allowed a run yesterday. And they allowed two runs in the game in Iowa. The Yanks this season are the fourth worst team in Major League Baseball in opponents scoring in the ninth inning. Why is this such an issue? On a team that features... Araldis Chapman, Zach Britton, Chad Green. The Yankees' bullpen is supposed to be tops in Major League Baseball. This is supposed to be the strength of this team. You're supposed to feel great about the Yankees going into the postseason should they make it because of the bullpen. But the bullpen hasn't been getting the job done. Araldis Chapman's blown four saves. Should have had more. Remember that triple play bailout? Chad Green can't get the job done. Zach Britton doesn't even want the job. He tells Aaron Boone, I don't deserve to be pitching in the ninth inning. You know what, Zach? You're right. You don't. And something happened today that set me off. And I should have been happy today. And I was at the beginning. Nestor Cortez, the savior, dude pitched incredibly. Really has been such a a dynamic find for the Yankees this season. A guy who had like a 7 ERA before this season. You know, he's in the bullpen. Now he's starting games and he is just delivering. I know he got roughed up a little bit in his last outing before this one, but today was an absolute gem. And I was really happy. And then in the top of the ninth inning, Yanks get some insurance runs with the Luke Voigt homer. And timing just worked out for the Yankees, right? Anthony Rizzo goes on the COVID list. Coincidentally, Voigt is ready to return. So you lose Rizzo in the lineup, but you gain Voigt in the lineup. And you just can't wait until these reinforcements come back because the Yankees team, the lineup's going to be stacked. This is the team that you envision. You start to feel good about their playoff chances. But in the ninth inning, Aaron Boone decided to make a pitching change because the Yanks had scored two runs in the top of the ninth inning. Instead of a 3-1 ball game, it was a 5-1 ball game. Guess the save situation's out the window. Well, forget about the saves. Who cares about that stat? But it's a 5-1 ball game, so you know what? We can sit Luizaga now. He threw 15 pitches. It's fine. Let's put in Litke and let's get this, you know, final three outs of the game. And what happens? Litke gives up two runs. Now you got to bring in Peralta. And all of a sudden, it's a close game. And you're holding your breath. Now Peralta got the job done. They got out of it. Yankees win 5-3. All is right with the world, right? Not so much. The Yankees and really all teams in Major League Baseball plan, plan, and plan according to the numbers, according to the sabermetric stats, and according to the rest calendar, 
whatever you want to call it, workload, pitch count, whatever. There's so much planning that is involved with the Yankees and with all organizations throughout Major League Baseball. This guy threw this many pitches this day, can't throw this many pitches the next day. It's like when, you know, the Little League World Series is going on right now, right? Or, or it's going to be soon, like regionals are happening now, whatever. We're going to watch the Little League World Series, and they have they have pitch counts with the kids. There's rules. You can only throw, like, 75 pitches, and then you got to sit a couple of days or whatever it is. So you're going to be watching these broadcasts, and you're going to hear, oh, well, he threw 25 pitches today. We're going to take him out so he can throw 50 pitches tomorrow. That's what's going on with the Yankees. That's what's going on with all of these teams. And it's got to stop. And this isn't like me being, oh, get off my lawn. I wish it was going back to the old days. No, this is just me having common sense. You see, a game is not over until you get the final outs. And I don't care how big of a lead that you take into the bottom of the ninth inning. You need your best arms to finish the game. And the best arm right now in the Yankees' bullpen is Jonathan Loisaga. He comes in in the eighth inning, gets the job done against the meat of the order, and even though it was a 5-1 lead, there was no reason for him to come out of the game. Now, what are you going to say to me? Or what's Aaron Boone going to say? Or what's Brian Cashman going to say? Well, he threw 22 pitches yesterday and 15 pitches today. But here's the thing. He's not pitching tomorrow. He's never pitched three days in a row this year for the Yankees. That's not what they do. So he was always going to get an off day tomorrow. And then you can have him ready for the Red Sox series. So I understand that you're playing the Red Sox and it's an important series coming up. Tomorrow's the makeup game against the Angels. He was not going to pitch tomorrow anyway because he had pitched yesterday and today. So why couldn't he have come out and thrown the ninth inning? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm more confident in him in the ninth than Litke or Peralta or Abreu or Green or Britton right now. There was no reason to take him out of the game. And and I am just sick and tired of the planning ahead. Because you know what? They're planning on him getting rest anyway. So why would you take him out after 15 pitches? You want to go batter to batter? Go batter to batter. That's fine. But by bringing in Litke to start the inning, you understand there's the three batter rule right now in Major League Baseball. So if he gets in trouble... He's got to face three guys. You can't take him out until then. At least if you put Loisaga in to start the inning and maybe he walks the first guy and you're like, all right, let's take him out now. You go ahead and do that. I'm just tired of the planning because it's it's done incorrectly, frankly. If you're going to plan, do it right. You're planning on him having an off day on Monday, so use him here on Sunday. Because there's a problem right now with this Yankees team, and it's the ability to close out games. And I'm not talking about just getting the save. I'm talking about just finishing the game. And forget about this idea of we got 45 games left, and and they're, they're so important. The important game is the one that you're playing right now. You gotta finish the games. And if the Yankees keep planning ahead and not looking at what's right in front of them, they might fall short of making the postseason. Scott Sattenberg back here, 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. Always on Twitter, at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Mets and Dodgers, Sunday night baseball going on right now. Dodgers lead 6-2 against the Mets, and uh, not going to be a good rest of the season for the Amazons. We'll get more into that coming up in uh, a little little later here on the program. I'm talking to Yankees right now and their chances to make the postseason, which Fangraphs has put at 51%. And they calculate that based on, you know, their remaining schedule, other teams' remaining schedules, 
who uh, they're you know everything that's going on with you know, their opponents and their performances and whatnot. I actually think it's better than that. I'm very confident in the Yankees making the postseason. I don't think they're going to win the division, although I think they make it close. It's a lead that is not insurmountable. And they do have reinforcements coming. You know, Corey Kluber had some control issues in his uh, rehab start, but he's still on track to come back at the end of this month or early September. Okay, so you get Kluber back. Maybe he makes two or three important starts for you. Garrett Cole's back tomorrow. Jordan Montgomery back on Tuesday. Rizzo will be back. Sanchez will be back. This this lineup, this rotation, everything's going to start to come together. They got to figure out the ninth inning, though. <laughs> and to me, it's Loisaga. It's his job. He's the guy that I trust the most right now in that bullpen. And maybe, and, and just maybe, and hear me out here. Once these reinforcements come back in the rotation, Cole, Montgomery, you already got Tyone. Let's see what happens with Kluber. Severino's going to see doctors tomorrow because he felt a little tightness in his uh, in his shoulder. So he was scratched from his rehab start a couple days ago. So he's actually going to see a doctor get an MRI tomorrow. But if that comes back clean, you can hopefully, you know, pencil in Severino for a September appearance. Anyway, my whole point is if they get the pieces in their rotation back, Nestor Cortez can slide in back into the bullpen role. And maybe Cortez is the guy that you trust in late-game situations to get the outs. Because he's been tremendous right now for the Yankees. But in terms of the chances to make the postseason, let me break this down for you. The Yanks have 45 games left. And if you look at their strength of schedule remaining, it's the 21st most difficult in Major League Baseball, or flip it around the other way, it's the ninth easiest. The most difficult opponents will be the Rays and the A's, but they do got six games against the uh, you know the Orioles. They have games that they'll play against the Red Sox, which is a team that they're chasing. Red Sox getting Chris Sale back was huge for them. That is a big time arm that they get back, and now Schwarber off the IL. Helps their offense as well. But the Yankees can take some games from the Red Sox. They have games left against the Rays. And with the reinforcements coming back, there's no reason to believe that this Yankees team can't chase down this lead uh, or this deficit that's in front of them. Right now, five and a half in the division, two and a half in the wild card. The most important series, obviously the Red Sox won coming up, three important games at home. But the Yankees got two games in Atlanta that will be tough. From there, they have the four-game set at Oakland, which is going to be tough. But that's a team that you're battling for the wild card, so you need to get the job done in that series. You play the Angels for three games. Should be relatively easy. Uh, you know, you, you might see Otani in one of those games. But you got to win at least two of three, if not all three. Baltimore is easy. Toronto will be a challenge. The Mets will be pesky. Baltimore will be easy. Cleveland will be easy. Texas will be easy. Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay to end the year. I give the Yankees more than a 51% chance to make the playoffs. I think it's pretty darn good. Now, how much do you trust this Oakland battle with the Astros? Because the A's are certainly on a good run, lost today to the Rangers. But the A's are battling right there with the Astros for the division, and... They're ahead of the Yankees right now in the wild card. The A's are the first wild card in the American League right now. And whoever loses out on that American League West, if both teams keep playing the way that they're playing, that's going to be the first wild card with one team from the East representing the second wild card. Now, things could change. Again, 45 games left. Yankees are certainly not out of the division race at all. At five and a half games back. 
But the most important thing right now for them is that they need to figure out this ninth inning situation. I gave the stats earlier. They are the fourth worst team in Major League Baseball in opponents scoring in the ninth inning. (laughs) Think about that. The Yankees. How we were spoiled for so, so many years with Mariano Rivera and then afterwards and then Chapman, despite the uh, postseason failures, was incredible in the regular season. This year, not so much with the blown saves. Doesn't seem like anybody can get the job done now with Chad Green or Zach Britton, who doesn't even want the job. And, and even in this series, you take two of three from the White Sox, you feel good about that. But in these three games, you allowed five total runs in the ninth inning. Two today, one yesterday, two in the game, Field of Dreams. <laughs> you just can't do that. And what bothered me the most about today's game was the fact that Loisaga was taken out after the eighth inning. And I know it was a 5-1 game, and you're thinking it's a 5-1 game, you shouldn't lose that game going into the bottom of the ninth inning. I I get that. It's not a game that you would lose. But I am a firm believer in you win the game with your best arms, you step on the throat, you make sure no one gets up. You finish them. I don't like taking the foot off the pedal because every win is important especially in a playoff race as close as this one. So you can't run the risk of letting anything slip away. The Yankees should have left, or Aaron Boone should have left get in the game to pitch the ninth inning. They wanted to take him out after a batter or two, fine. But there's no reason why the Yankees should have to have a scare in the ninth inning when they just got two insurance runs in the top of the ninth. Could you imagine? Think about this. Voight doesn't hit that homer and everything else plays out the same way. Now, I know you can't do that, but just think about it. The game is a tie game. Goes to extra innings again. It's an embarrassment right now that the Yankees can't finish out a game. I don't care that they won. I'm bothered by it. I really am. And you should be too. 800-919-3776. Your feeling on the Yankees making the postseason, yes or no? Monty's calling from the Bronx. You're up next here on 98.7. What's up, Monty? Hey, um, I I like what you're saying about the game today, and that's why I don't think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs because they don't have a competent manager, and you can't give up games this late in the season and make the playoffs. So uh, I, I'd i love to see them get in, but I don't think they're going to do it. Well, Monty, you hope that reinforcements come back and they don't have to make decisions like this. You know, you hope Chapman's back and he slides in and he's your closer. And then there is no decisions. There is no figuring out who's going to finish the game. You know it's going to be Chapman. You hope you get the arms back in the rotation. You hope you get the guys back in your lineup. And then you just roll from there. But in the meantime, you can't plan ahead. You can't think about what's upcoming. You have to deal with what's in front of you. And today, the situation was in front of Aaron Boone and the Yankees to finish this game. Thankfully, they did. But tomorrow... Might not be the case. Speaking of tomorrow, Garrett Cole is back for the Yankees. Does Garrett Cole have an outside shot at the Cy Young? Max Muncy with a bomb. Dodgers lead 9-2 against the Mets. Scott Seidenberg here, 98.7 ESPN. Yankees get a win against the White Sox. They win their sixth straight series. But they still got to figure out this ninth inning situation. Because it's it's bothering me. 
Remember in uh, Fight Club when uh, when he talks about how Marla's the, the the scratch on the roof of his mouth, that it would just go away if you would stop playing with it with your tongue? That's what this Yankees back end of the bullpen situation is for me. It's like the scratch on the roof of my mouth that it's just annoying that I can't get rid of. It's just, it's lingering. It's bothering me. And yeah, you know what? I'll have a great meal and I'll enjoy it. That's like the Yankees winning a game. My good meal. It's an analogy. But that scratch on the roof of my mouth, sometimes it bothers me when I'm chewing. And that's what happens with the Yankees. Gets to the ninth inning. All of a sudden, it's bothering me while I'm chewing. Here was Aaron Boone after the game. Obviously, getting on a happy flight is always well, always a good thing. Going to, going home to start a really important homestand. Um, man, it's a good team over there. Our guys did a lot of really, really good things today. Got interesting there, obviously, in the ninth. But um, this is a really good series. After a tough loss in, in, in the Field of Dreams game, guys just – continue to continue to pound away and uh you know uh just a just an all around a really good win for us today and 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 a good series win for us got interesting there in the ninth you think Aaron it got real interesting in the ninth and it should have never got that way I'm just sick and tired of the planning the planning. Well, we got a series coming up against the Red Sox. Can't use the arms too much. Which doesn't make sense. Because the Wiseagle was going to get an off day tomorrow. And, you know, I, I hate to be this guy. But you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday. Listen, if Garrett Cole, which is not going to happen because the Yankees are going to want to be cautious with him, but if Garrett Cole goes out there and throws a, a complete game tomorrow, guess what? Everybody in your bullpen got a rest. If Jordan Montgomery goes out and throws a complete game on Tuesday, your entire bullpen got a rest. So... Why are you planning on resting guys or not using them too much for situations that could not happen? And that's honestly my biggest beef, too, with, you know, I I used to believe in the role of a relief ace as opposed to a closer because I didn't like saving my best arm for a situation that might not happen. Like, I'm going to save a guy and probably not use him, but... If it gets to a situation where I need to use him, then I'm going to put him in. Now, the Yankees did something good today for a change, which was use Loazaga in the eighth inning when the game was on the line. And I love that. And he got the job done on 15 pitches. So he should have stayed in in the ninth inning. Just because she got the two insurance runs, doesn't mean you then take him out of the game. Because he's the only guy I trust right now. And I think he's the only guy that Yankees fans trust as well. 800-919-3776. Rudy's calling from the Bronx. What's up, Rudy? Hey, you know what? I agree with everything you're saying. I like that. You you know what? I'm sick and tired of it, too. Because I I walk up and down. It's a good thing I don't have a rug. Because it would have been worn out. It would have been worn out every game, ninth inning, ninth inning. I'm like, what the hell is this? And you know something, you know, Rudy? And you know something, Rudy? It's not, it's not just one guy, too. And I appreciate the phone call and 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 you stop pacing back and forth. Uh, or maybe it's good exercise. Maybe still pace back and forth. It's not just one guy. The Yankees, even with Araldis Chapman, Chapman blew four saves already this year, and it should have been more. I honestly. Probably could have counted two or three that he should have blown. We got that triple play to bail him out that one time. That was pretty crazy. But it's not just the one guy. It's not the Yankees need one, whatever. Collectively, they're the fourth worst team in baseball in allowing teams to score in the ninth inning. 
How is that possible? How are you going to make the playoffs if you can't stop teams late in the game? It shouldn't be this difficult. 800-919-3776. Here was Nestor Cortez, which has been a bright spot for the Yankees. Was so good today. So good. Here was Nestor Cortez after his stellar outing. You know, I, I would love to throw a 97-98, wave a wand around and throw 97-98, obviously. Um, but as long as I can get the job done and, and, and keep getting outs, which is the most important thing, uh, you know, I, I, I stick to what I got. It, it was great watching him drop down to throw sidearm, too, to get some of these strikeouts. Because I, I just, he, he makes me feel good when I see him pitch. He's like a throwback style pitcher. He's got the stash. He's changing arm angles. He doesn't throw really hard. He's kind of mixing it up. And, and he's getting the job done. And I actually think that Nestor Cortez, and I don't know if the Yankees want to do this, but they might have the luxury of doing this. Nestor Cortez could be one of the strengths in the back end of this Yankees bullpen. Now, he's been stretched out. He's starting. That's great. But they got reinforcements coming in this rotation. Garrett Cole's back tomorrow. Jordan Montgomery's supposed to be back on Tuesday. Corey Kluber had the control issues. Okay. In his rehab start. Should be back by the end of the month. Severino could very well be back in September, you hope. He's going to have an MRI tomorrow. So... We'll see what happens with those results. But you feel good if he comes back in September. That's a big arm. Haney is an innings eater. So he's not gonna be uh he's not gonna be that guy for the Yankees, especially come postseason. But you get back arms in the in the rotation, and all of a sudden, maybe you can use Nestor Cortez back in the bullpen and, and have some confidence in guys being able to close games out or have some confidence in guys being able to get through the meat of the order in late innings so that you can throw a guy like Luizaga there in the ninth inning because someone's got to take the job. Britain doesn't want it. Green's been back and forth. The guy I trust right now is Luizaga, but he needed to get rest. Whatever. Stop planning ahead. Start reacting to what's in front of you. That's all I care about. 800-919-3776. John's calling from Long Island. What's up, Johnny? Uh, hey, how you doing? Um, I just had a comment about Luis Severino, actually. Um, before he uh, got hurt, he had been uh, a guy who had been caught with substances on his hat and his glove by the league. And that's even before this year with all the spider tack and everything. If he comes, Whenever he comes back from his injury, do you think, that, you think he's going to be a viable arm? Because I very much think that he could be uh, – with, like, less arm strength after surgery and uh, no more sticky stuff, he could be a problem and not an answer for uh, a lot of our questions right now. Well, John, the worst-case scenario for him, right, <laughs> is that he's another arm that you can use out of the bullpen at least. Maybe he doesn't have the stamina anymore to go six innings, but if he can dial it up for an inning or two at a time, he's going to be a valuable arm out of the pen. And maybe that's the plan for him, is to not stretch him out and to utilize him out of the bullpen in September and into October, as you hope the Yankees will be making the playoffs. I understand the whole thing with the, the, the sticky stuff, but the, that's that's in the past. Right now, you're focused on the MRI that's coming tomorrow. You hope there's not another setback because he was on his way back, but then he had the groin injury a couple of months ago, and all of a sudden, it's a setback. And he's not going to pitch. Now he's supposed to be in a rehab start. Shoulder feels tight. Going to see the doctors tomorrow. Another setback. These are things you hate to see. Scott Sadenberg here, 98.7 ESPN. We keep rolling here. Sunday Night Baseball going. The Mets trying to do something here against the Dodgers. A little fight. Team showing a little life. We like that. It's 9-2 Dodgers, bottom of the seventh inning. But the Mets have them loaded with one out. We'll see what they can do. Yankees picked up a win today over the White Sox. That is their sixth 
straight series win, but the bullpen issues continue. 800-919-3776. Jets and Giants played their preseason opener on Saturday with the Jets winning 12-7. Another under. And uh, FYI, unders so far in the NFL preseason, 14-3. 14 of the 17 NFL preseason games have gone under the posted total. 14-3. and In case you're looking forward to that. Uh, the Jets, though, I was very happy with what I saw, especially from Zach Wilson. Now, if you remember... During the scrimmage, he had a rough showing, right? And made a couple of bad passes, turned the ball over, and they questioned him, the media did, after the scrimmage. And he gave an incredible answer that it went viral on Twitter. Everyone was applauding Zach Wilson for his mature answer. And it was the perfect description of practice versus a game, right? And what he said was, and I'll sum it up for you, is that in practice, he's going to try to see what he can get away with. And certain throws that he makes in practice, he's not going to make during a game. That's what practice is for. It's what separates practice from a game. And so what happens here during the game against an opponent like the Giants? He doesn't make that bad pass. He knows what he can and cannot get away with, so he didn't force the issue. Six of nine, 63 yards, led the Jets to a field goal on their opening drive, and most importantly, played a clean Two series. And that really impressed me. It really did. Here was Zach Wilson. I mean, it was a, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, having just that game-like setting, the introduction to like, kind of like the NFL and the whole game. And uh, it's great for everybody, no matter how much, how much football you played. It was awesome just to be able to get out there and do that. The other thing that impressed me about Zach Wilson was his ability to trust the pocket. Too many times we see young quarterbacks rush to escape the pocket. If one of their linemen get pushed back, they bail out, they scramble away. We saw it with a couple of these young quarterbacks this weekend. With Justin Fields, with uh, Trey Lance, even Trevor Lawrence. But Zach Wilson showed trust in his pocket. He stayed in the pocket. And to me, another sign of maturity. Here was Wilson on being comfortable in the pocket. You know, you kind of got to have that as a quarterback. You got to be able to tell yourself, you know, in those situations, you could feel someone coming. But how can I stand there and just deliver? And it, t- it takes work and, you know, it's something I still need to get a lot better at. But, you know, you can feel it there and you kind of just got to, you know, teach yourself, you know, how can I, you know, just get the ball out on time and, and take those hits sometimes. He did a very Very good job. If I had to grade a uh, performance here in the first preseason action for him, I mean, give the kid an A. What about the head coach? What does he think? You know, you just want him to get his uh, feet wet and uh, show that the game's not too big for him, which he he obviously showed. And uh, especially in those third down moments, he had had a couple of critical third down conversions there that I thought was that – is the epitome of playing quarterback in this league is keeping staying on the field and scoring uh, scoring points in two minute situations. Now the Jets, I think, have a real interesting, a real interesting outlook for the season, because there's some talent on this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And what what I am looking forward to, unlike what we've seen in the past couple of years in the Adam Gaze era, certainly, is some creativity on offense. You know, you kind of knew what you were getting from the Adam Gaze offense. It was very bland. It was boring. Jets didn't have real playmakers. And what was once a weakness for this team right now might be their biggest strength, and that's the wide receiver position. This is as deep a Jets wide receiver unit 
that I can recall. You got Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, who looked great. Vincent Smith looked good in uh, in, in the preseason game. That's like five or six guys right there. This is as deep a wide receiver unit as I can remember with the Jets. So the weapons are there for Zach Wilson. The running backs, probably going to be a committee between Coleman and you know probably Michael Carter, who got a lot of run here in the first preseason game. And what have we seen from... You know, this the Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco, which is basically what we're going to see here for the New York Jets, right? It's a very similar offense. It was taken over from San Francisco here to the Jets, running back by committee. So you're going to get a running back by committee approach. And I got no issues with that. Michael Carter, I love this guy at North Carolina. He's a tremendous runner. Tremendous runner. So I think he has a good outlook as well. But this Jets offense has got playmakers. The offensive line is better. So they're going to be able to score. Defensively, you hope that, you know, the head coach, Robert Salah, is a defensive-minded guy. You hope that this defense uh, gets after the quarterback. C.J. Mosley being healthy. You know, you, you hope you get good play in the secondary. And there's no reason to believe that this Jets team can't win eight, nine games. I'm not going to say 10. I'm not, listen, their win total's low for a reason. But very possible that the Jets string together some wins where you might not expect them to. But the schedule is not exactly that difficult. You know, in terms of games where they'll be favored, That's hard to kind of judge right now. They'll be favored at home, I can tell you, against Cincinnati on October 31st, right? They're going to be a dog on the road at Carolina. Uh, At home to New England is going to be close. At Denver, there'll be a slight dog. Home to Tennessee, a dog. Against Atlanta at home, probably a dog. At New England, a dog. Home against Cincinnati, they'll be favored. Home against Philadelphia, they could very well be favored in that game. At Houston... They could be a road favorite in that game. Home against Jacksonville, they'll be favored in that game. I just gave four games that the Jets could realistically win. I mean, you go through this schedule, there's no reason they can't win nine games. The offense is going to be better. The quarterback is going to develop. And this is not a team that is playoffs or bust. What you want to see is you want to see development. You want to see the growth. You want positive signs that this team is putting something together and moving in the right direction. Because for the past couple of years, you have seen nothing but regression from the New York Jets. If you can see some positive signs, some growth, some development, and then next year with the draft picks, and the cap room, you could put together a team that is ready to compete. Scott Seidenberg back here, 98.7 ESPN. Mets and Dodgers still playing Sunday night baseball from City Field as the Dodgers looking for the sweep of the Mets. 12 to 4 is your score. And uh, yeah, looks like they will complete this. And then the Mets have a brutal stretch right now going out west, play San Francisco and LA, then return home to play those two same teams. It's just not going to be good. This uh, two game deficit in the NL East could wind up being upwards of eight or so in a couple of weeks from now. 800 919 3776. Getting back to the Yankees and their bullpen issues. Uh, we bring in now Jeff Nelson, former World Series champion reliever with the New York Yankees, host of the Pinstripe Podcast for the New York Post. Nelly, thanks so much for giving me a couple of minutes here tonight. 
Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. You know, Jeff, uh, the the Yankees win their sixth straight series, and you feel really good about them getting past this tough White Sox team, but they allow two more runs here in the ninth inning. They allowed one yesterday, two the day before in the loss in Iowa, and right now the Yankees are the fourth worst team in Major League Baseball in opponents scoring in the ninth inning. Why is it so difficult to finish games for them? Uh, it's it's really, in a lot of ways, disappointing. You can see that Chad Green is definitely not the guy that can pitch ninth, the ninth inning. He's more suited to be either a seventh or eighth inning guy. And even Jonathan Lawazga, as, as good as he's thrown this year, it seems like, okay, he gets into some sort of trouble, then they have to bring in either Litke or uh, Peralta and, you know, it's just, or uh, Wandy. You, you know, it's just... Without Chapman, without that guy in the ninth inning, it takes that special person to get those last three outs. Because, you know, a lot of times setup guys, you know, if you get into some sort of trouble, you can kind of look over your shoulder and say, okay, there's somebody going to bail me out behind me. And that ninth inning, there really isn't anyone. So it takes that special mentality that obviously these guys don't have. And I'm a little surprised that Britain, Britain was a really good closer when he was with the Orioles. I mean, he led the league in saves. He's had 50 saves before. Uh, he's obviously not had the same stuff this year, but his confidence level is totally shot. You know, when you hear somebody saying, you know, he goes into the managerial office and he says to the media that I don't deserve to pitch in the ninth inning and, and deserve to get these kind of situations, it's really alarming. I mean, because this guy was a stud about three or four years ago or even two years ago. He had such great stuff. So it is definitely alarming for what their bullpen's going through. And is it overuse? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Is it too much information? Is it this analytics that are building these robots? I mean, I don't know what it is. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, planning and too much planning. You mentioned the analytics. And what bothered me about today's game, Jeff, was that Loisaga pitched well in the eighth inning. And they took him out in the ninth because, okay, you got the two-run insurance home run from Luke Voigt, so now it's a 5-1 game. But why couldn't Loisaga go back out there for the ninth inning? He had only thrown 15 pitches. He was never going to pitch tomorrow anyway because he had just pitched on Saturday, so he's not going to go three days in a row. So knowing that he's going to be off tomorrow, why wouldn't you let this guy go back out in the ninth? I, I totally agree with you. You know, it's obviously it's a different way of thinking – now than it was 10, 15 years ago or even when we played. I mean, you know, it didn't matter how many days guys threw. If you were ready to go, you, you went. And now they take care of them a little bit easier. They don't like to see guys throw two days in a row. They don't like to try to extend guys those two innings. And you're right. I mean, he's probably one of the most dominant guys down there. And to extend him an extra inning, you know, just to win the series, I mean, I think he could have done that. And I agree with you. I just don't understand, and this is not just the Yankees, it's league-wide. Yeah. You know, you see guys not going two days in a row. You see guys not, uh, you know, middle relievers not going two innings. You know, it just doesn't make any sense because I don't know what the computers are saying, but whatever they're saying, they're wrong. <laughs> you know, it, let these guys go out and do their job. It, there's a there's a feel for the game. There's an instinct for the game, and a lot of times that's lost. You know, the instinct and the feel for hey, let's ride this guy out. Obviously, like you said, he's not going to pitch tomorrow. Let him go. Let him get the save. He's our best guy right now. Instead, they want to reinvent the wheel and say, okay, Jonathan, you did a great job in the eighth inning. We're not going to have you go out in the ninth inning. We're going to go to somebody else. You keep going to the well too many times, and you're seeing too many outs being needed by bullpens. And it's not, it's not just the Yankees, but it's everyone. You know, it never used to be that way. And a lot of it has to do with you're not getting the length out of the starters anymore either. True. Yeah, that's very true. Former Yankee great Jeff Nelson joining me. Scott Seidenberg here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I want to take you back to Zach Britton, uh, Jeff. What do the Yankees do now, or what can you do to help him regain some confidence? How, how do you approach a guy like this when he goes into the manager's office and says, I shouldn't be pitching in the ninth inning? Yeah, I, I kind of wish that didn't get out. You, you know, it, 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 sometimes things are better left in the clubhouse and then it's easier to deal with. And then, you know, now with social media and, you know, the fans know a lot more information now quicker. I wish that kind of didn't get out. It was just left in house. 
But the only thing really left to do is to have this guy pitch in a blowout game. And right now, the Yankees aren't going through any blowout games <laughs> because everything seems to be close. And when they go through about three or four relievers in the last couple innings trying to get those last three outs, like the other night or last night, actually, you know, he really struggled in that ninth inning. And they had to they had to remove him, bring in Abreu to try to get the two outs say or get those last two outs. So, uh, you, you know, you try to give him some soft landings because you need this guy. He has nasty stuff. Uh, he's got a nasty sinker, but you can see. And watching him last night, he just doesn't have the confidence, and you know, he's all over the place. It's almost like he's afraid to let his ball do what it obviously does, and he's got a nasty sinker at ninety four, ninety five now. Not as hard as it used to be, but. Uh, you know, it's just a confidence level thing, and, and you kind of want to put them in some soft landings, but they're just not there right now. Yeah, uh, you, you wish they were there, but then, <laughs> then you know they'd be up ahead comfortably in these games. Uh, but there's right. no such thing as a comfortable game for the Yankees lately, Jeff. Uh, you know, you get Garrett Cole coming back tomorrow. Jordan Montgomery should be back on uh, Tuesday. Corey Kluber had a you know a rough outing in his rehab start, but that's expected. It was his first time pitching in a while, so reinforcements appear to be coming uh, how confident are you in the Yankees chances to make the postseason as either the wild card or get really back into this division race only five and a half out right now yeah you know it's still tough you know I'd like to see them have a complete team for once this year and have everybody healthy and you know Severino keeps taking step back step backs so I don't even know if or when he's going to wind up coming out. I don't really think you can count on Corey Kluber. Uh, if he does, then it's a surprise, uh, you know, just to go through what he has gone through and the shoulder. And uh, it's nice to get Cole and Montgomery back. You definitely need those two guys. Uh, you know, they're two and a half out of the wild card. And, and Oakland, you know, if you look at odds, if you believe in odds, Oakland has a great percentage of making a play, making the playoffs. And all of a sudden the Red Sox went, through a little downslide, and now all of a sudden it seems like Baltimore, you go in to play the Orioles, they'll just jumpstart any team. <laughs> you know, if you're going through some slumps, hey, go play the Orioles, and they'll get you back on track. <laughs> and that's exactly what Boston's going through. And plus, they got sale back, so, you know, that's almost like getting somebody at the deadline. So they're going to be tough. Uh, you know, the Yankees have an uphill climb. I mean, they, they're they in it. Obviously, they're not out. I think you still have, what, five weeks of baseball left, and anything can happen. They're going to play the Red Sox. They're going to play teams in front of them. They're going to play teams in front of them in the wild card. They'll go out to Oakland for four days. So to say they're out of it, they're not out of it, but it's a really tough try- time. It's a really tough hill for them to climb to try to overcome some of these teams, and you always have to watch out for the Blue Jays behind you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, final thing before I let you go, just going around the league. Um, I, I'm very, I've been so impressed with the San Francisco Giants. Um, they've been one of the teams that I've been following a lot this year, and everyone seems to be waiting for the other shoe to drop with them. And the Dodgers are like the favored to win that division, but they're still four games back of the Giants, and it seems like no one's respecting San Francisco. Uh, what chance do you give them? to really, you know, make a, a postseason run here, win that National League West? And in your opinion, is it still the Dodgers division? Is it the Dodgers league to lose? No, you know, I think, well, with the additions that the Dodgers made when they got Scherzer and also Turner, I mean, two great players. Turner might be one of the best players in the National League. It's so exciting to watch. You know, everybody's going to say, okay, it's still the Dodgers. You know, once you get Bueller back on track and, Kershaw comes back. They still have a great starting staff and their bullpen, their offense, whatever. But the Giants are acting like they don't care about anything. They're like, you know what? You go ahead and pick the Dodgers. You go ahead and pick the Padres. We're going to continue to do what we're doing. And they're getting great pitching. I mean, Gossman has been unbelievable out there. He can't pitch for anybody else, but he goes out for San, to San Francisco has been, has been great. Uh, you know, Cueto has come back. Now he's on the IL again, but he's been uh, you, know, you know, something special for them. They've got a decent bullpen with McGee, the lefty that used to be with Tampa Bay. He's closing out games. The offense has been there. So, you know, they're a team that, okay, they're one of those stories that, okay, go ahead, write about everybody else, and we'll just sneak up on everyone. And they've done it. They've done it for months now. I've been in first place. So I don't think you can say that, okay, it's the Dodgers division to win i still think it might be the giants division to win that these guys have to beat them now i think three teams are coming out of that division Mm. as far as being playoffs it's just a matter okay who's going to be the two teams in the wild card 
and who's going to win the division. And right now, the Giants are looking really good. Well, the Dodgers putting a hurting on the Mets right now, 14-4, to as the Mets are just hoping to end this game and hop on the plane. They're hoping they could just ask the umpire to end this one early so they can all get on their flights going out west. <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate the time. You're the best. I love listening to the podcast. Uh, continue to do the great work you do, okay, man? Okay, thanks for having me, Scott. Anytime. There he is, Jeff Nelson, four-time World Series champion with the New York Yankees, one of the great relievers uh, in that Yankee dynasty run, and uh, again, host of the Pinstripe Podcast for the New York Post, talking Yankees, also does great work down there uh, for the Marlins in Florida. Some great takes there with the Yankees, and yeah, you know, Zach Britton, that is something that's so mind-boggling because he's a guy who was so dominant at one point in his career out of the bullpen and to see him come back and 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 have these struggles and really the lack of confidence, that is disturbing. And you just hope the Yankees can get him back on track because they're going to need him if they're going to make this postseason. Oh, wow. I was going to do the woo. Scott Seidenberg back here, 98.7 ESPN. It's a final as the Mets rush to the tarmac to get on the plane after the complaining about the Major League Baseball scheduling. 14-4 Dodgers beat the Mets. And now the Mets will head out on a brutal, absolutely brutal West Coast trip and then return home for an absolutely brutal homestand. They play the Dodgers, Giants, Giants, Dodgers. So that is not going to be good for the New York Mets. What is good is the football analysis that you get when you go to LandryFootball.com. Chris Landry is an NFL scout. He's a coach, administrator, has worked on staff with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, was with the Titans when they drafted Eddie George, Steve McNair, used to run the NFL scouting combine. I can go on and on and on about the man's accolades, but what you need to know is that he knows football. And Chris joins me here on 98.7 ESPN. Chris, was that the best introduction anybody's ever given you? It's right up there, Scott. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, brother. Thanks so much for giving me a couple of minutes here late on a Sunday evening. Uh, I was talking about the Jets and Giants earlier and reacting to their uh, preseason game. And when we'll talk about the Jets first because I was really impressed with Zach Wilson. And I've been impressed with him, Chris, from you know watching him in the inner squad scrimmage and then hearing him talk afterwards about the difference between a game and practice and how he would basically try and get away with things in practice to see if he could do it in a game. So he made the mistakes, turned the football over in the scrimmage, but come game time against the New York Giants, played a clean and efficient two series. How did you evaluate Zach Wilson's performance on Saturday? I I certainly thought he did some good things. And, you know, it's with any quarterback, it's a work in progress. Um, you know, you're not seeing a lot of game playing coverages or, or uh, multiple fronts, but, you know, you take it for what it is. It's, uh, it's a good performance, as the alternative would be a, a, a less than stellar performance. Um, you know, I think it's a very, very positive step. You know, the Giants didn't, Giants didn't play a lot of the top people, but I thought he did a – um, Zach did a really good job kind of running things. I think he's very confident. Um, and what they have to do is they have to build a team around them, and it, they're just in the, you know, taking baby steps in the early stages of doing that. But I think they feel like they've got a guy that uh, is confident. And I, I really believe that in Robert Sala, I think he's going to make a difference in the attitude, the structure, and uh, that may lead to a better job of putting a team around a quarterback, which is the biggest problem that they had in the previous regime. So how do you uh, evaluate their roster right now as presently constituted? I think the wide receiving core is as deep as it's ever been uh, for the New York Jets with four, five, six guys deep that they have on this roster right now. The running backs, uh, I expect it to be a committee job because that's what they did in San Francisco. They they did this thing uh, by committee. You know, you get Mosley back healthy now, uh, for the defense. So overall, what was your assessment when you went through the uh, when you're well, you're still doing it now, but grading this Jets roster? I, 
I've still got a lot of question marks about it. I mean, I think they've got some some of the pieces on the offensive line, but the right side still concerns me. I'm not comfortable with the running back room. It not it's not what it needs to be. The the defense is transitioning, you know, from that three four to four three cover three back end look. The pass rush has been inconsistent. Look, they get C.J. Mosley back, and um, I think you're going to see you know a better performance out of the front, but. I, the the secondary is a real concern, so I, you know I don't want to give any any uh, false assertions that I think this team is you know on the verge of something right away. I, I think what needs to be looked at this year is the gradual performance. Okay, how well can they can the quarterback play? How well they, can they play around them? Can they stay in games? Can they compete? Um, those are things that I think you have to look for because I think if you're looking for the results in terms of wins and losses, I don't think the Jet fans are going to be happy with the overall result, probably based on what their expectations are. So the victories are going to have to come in how they play and maybe getting a couple of games that maybe we didn't think they would get and then build on that. Um, they've added two explosive playmakers, you know, um, in, in Carter and Moore, so I'm hoping that they can have a real positive impact. Um, I think Vera Tucker can help them right away. So I think there's some pieces, but they're still got a long ways to go. Football scout Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Joining me, Scott Seidenberg here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I know you didn't get a good look at the Giants because they didn't really play anybody here in their first preseason game. But looking at this roster, uh, certainly getting Saquon back healthy is the biggest thing for this offense. And you throw in the additions of Kenny Galladay and uh, the drafting of Kadarius Toney as well. Uh, Where does this Giants roster project to you? You know, this team to me, you know, has a feeling that it's just getting better and better. Now, it's it's got to manifest itself in more wins. But, you know, they certainly put the firepower around the quarterback, and that's that's going to be a big big part of it is how well they're able to protect him. And then, you know, can you utilize the weapons? I mean, Galladay is um, with Shepard and Ingram and Tony that you mentioned. Um, you know, I just think that they've got a lot of weapons that they can work with and as you mentioned, Saquon Barkley is a special type of talent. So I think offensively it can be a really good team. I, I thought that, that Patrick Graham did a really good job with the defense, turning Leonard uh, Williams into a really good pass rusher, Ogier Laurie. Um, Dexter Lawrence has begun uh, to, to show an ability as a pass rusher. So the run defense was good last year. Uh, I still got concerns. But the offensive line, it needs more development there, and that's going to be key. I do like Thomas. I like Hernandez. Can Daniel Jones get the ball a lot quicker? That's going to be the key. And the linebackers are decent. decent. But, um, you know, can they get enough there? I think this is an improving team in a division that no one's going to run away from it. I think the Giants can stay in that race. Um, are they a, a real playoff threat, like make a run type team? I don't know. I don't see them there yet. But I do see some improvements. But to me, it's the quarterback play, the offensive line. If those things hit, this could be a little bit better team than, than even I might think. Uh, are the Cowboys the team to beat in that division? I It may be Washington. I mean, everybody's a little different. Washington's got the best defense. They've got solid quarterback play. Um, and they're, they're better at the line of scrimmage. You know, Dallas has, you know, uh, got – Solid talent, I think, um, but they've got a they've got some key areas that they've got some real concerns about. So I, I think that if you look at you know the the quarterback position, it gives them a real good chance there, and you would certainly favor them over at least at this point with the jump proven to have with Daniel Jones. But I'm not so sure that that I wouldn't make um, make Washington the co-favorite with the Cowboys. I think Washington certainly line of scrimmage-wise is really good, particularly on the defensive front. They're outstanding. Uh, let's go around the league real quick here, Chris. Which rookie quarterback do we see on the field first? Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones? Well, I don't know, Scott. I think it's a lot to do. That's going to be interesting because it may end up coming down to an injury that will determine that. I you know, I would maybe say Justin Fields just to throw it out there. I think 
that um, they may be a team that may need to go to the to the well a little quicker. I think the Niners are pretty good. They could win a little bit more, and the Patriots could um, a little bit more. I, I think all are doing the right thing, though. Go with the veteran. That way, when you bring the young guy in, you're you're moving completely forward as opposed to if you start the young guy, you got to stick with the young guy for better or worse, I believe. And so this this is a way where you don't have to go back and forth. I, I like what they're doing, but I would say just to gander at your question would be maybe the Bears and that I think Nagy's going to want to run a lot of the RPO stuff, and that team – may need a real jump start. They are not in a position to fall behind early in that division. So I would say that he might have the best chance, whereas the you know, the Patriots might be able to hang in there a little bit longer. And certainly the Niners are pretty good as well. So that may take a – I think Lance has is, is, is got a ways to go, frankly. He may not start. He may be the last of them to start. Hmm, interesting. Uh, LandryFootball.com is the place to be. You want to be the smartest football fan in the room, dominate your fantasy football drafts or whatnot, make sure you head to the website. Chris, you do a great job, and we appreciate you joining us here. Oh, thanks for having me, Scott. You know, it's always a pleasure. Keep up the great work. Enjoy listening to you. Take care. Thanks, Chris. There he is, Chris Landry, football scout, coach, administrator. Uh, like I said, on staff with the with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban was with the Titans when they drafted uh, McNair and, and uh, drafted Eddie George. He used to run the NFL scouting combine. The guy's just locked in when it comes to the sport of football, both NFL and college football. So I uh, appreciate Chris joining me and giving me uh, some insight here on the Jets and the Giants and the rookie quarterbacks as well. Uh, if if you had to pick a rookie quarterback right now that's going to have the best season, is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it Zach Wilson? Or is it one of those other rookies that we might not see in week one? That's going to be something that we, we absolutely want to pay attention to. This is 98.7 ESPN.